On this Garden Time show, buckle up. We take you abroad as we talk about our recent trip to Holland and Belgium. We toured private and public gardens as we learned about growing great plants in Northern Europe. All this and more coming up on Garden Time. Garden Time is brought to you by Capital Subaru in Salem, Oregon. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else in Oregon. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. We're based in the Pacific Northwest of the United States in a Zone 7 region. This deals with plants that can survive at approximately zero degrees Fahrenheit or warmer. I'm producer Jeff Gustin with your hosts, Judy Alaruzzo and Ryan Seeley. And welcome to Garden Time, uh, the podcast. And thanks again to Capital Subaru in Salem for sponsoring us. Um, we just got back <laughs> from our wonderful tour, our garden tour. We took a bunch of uh, Garden Time fans that uh, wanted to hang out with us. We don't know why. <laughs> and, uh, we went, in a different country. Yeah, and we went to uh, uh, Holland and Belgium. And uh, so today we're going to talk about some of the things that we saw. And uh, it was an impressive trip, and we were just talking about how much of a blur it is. It, oh, yeah, so it quickly. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of information coming to you at, at once, and there's a lot to see, and yeah. you try to remember it all. Fortunately, I, I think I took a couple thousand pictures. <laughs> yes. So, yes, yes. Yeah. And it's nice because it kind of date stamps it and tells me where it was. Oh, yeah. nice. That, 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 that was. So that's yeah. kind of great to yeah. put that all together. Well, and, and I posted a bunch, so anybody that wants to oh, see our nice. tour can go to the Garden Time Facebook page. Um, and if you scroll down day by day, I posted about 30 to 50 pictures, depending on the day, talking about where we went and tagging those. Because our travelers, when they're traveling, they're busy, and so they don't always get a chance to post and send pictures. So I did this and I tell them, just tell your families to look at the pictures and then you can share the rest of them when you get home. So, and that's the best part because your family and friends can know what you've been doing every day yeah. and you don't have to keep texting them because you're too busy. Yeah. And it was fun <laughs> actually to see just pictures of what we're doing. It's like, yeah. we'd, I'd get back to the hotel at night and I'd do my Facebook post and mm -hmm. those things. Yeah, that's great. I'd see Jeff pictures and I'd go, I didn't see that. And it's like right there with them. Or, oh, his picture is better than my picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's where we were. So yeah. it's fun. it is fun to see everybody. And I'm just going to steal both of yours. <laughs> okay, that's great, great. Um, so first of all, we landed, and the very first day, we went to the flower auction. Now, this is a huge flower auction. They fly plants, cut flowers in, some plants, but mostly cut flowers, little pumpkins, whatever is seasonal, and then they auction them, and then they fly them away. And it's, so um, it's it's unbelievable, unbelievable to see there there is 20 million cut flowers that roll through that facility every day. It is amazing. Ten soccer fields, right? Or, yeah, or, it's or five to ten fo football fields. Football yeah, fields. yeah. Sorry, depending on what. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you just can't. You can't. Even the pictures don't do it justice because it just goes on forever and, yeah. and ever. And we're trying to identify. And we're like above it looking down. Yeah, and we're trying you, to you walk, identify. You walk around. And it's kind of a self-guided tour. Right. And so you're up in, the, up in the catwalks above this massive warehouse facility yeah. looking down on these thousands and thousands of these rolling carts that are filled mm -hmm. with flowers. And there's 
an amazing amount of like little trolleys and people that are, <laughs> it's, like it's all like auto automated. It's like, yeah, like little ants following each other. Mm -hmm. How they don't run into each other, That's I don't crazy. know. And half of it's automated too because yes. the carts are in tracks on the floor. And by which, yeah. yeah. Right. So, that's a lot, a lot. Of, it was just incredible, yeah. right? Because it starts out, you know, very early in the morning, mm -hmm. where all the, you know, the buyers show show up in this in this little room, and these little trolleys roll by, and it's this quick bidding process, mm -hmm. which is just fascinating because you know the price starts out, and then you you you're trying to balance. Okay, how much do I want to pay? Where's not what somebody else right, going to pay? Right, right. But it's just this constant going. You got to be quick, yeah. Because with that many thousands and millions of flowers flowing through there. In the morning, oh, it's, it's got to go, it's, it's go fast. Yeah, I found it fascinating because they start at the highest price. Mm -hmm. They pick a yes. high price, and then the price lowers. So if you buzz in too quickly, you're spending more than you would. Right. But if you wait, somebody else may get that shipment of flowers. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I found it fascinating because it's totally opposite of what we would consider normal here right. and bidding-wise. Right. It's right. starting with right. the lowest price right. and try to bid up. So yeah. Um, yeah, that was fascinating. And it was huge, like you said. But we also had some fun because <laughs> they are open for tours. They have a gift shop. But they also did the little interactive things. We did a the um, video was crazy. Um, yeah, we did a green screen thing where we're all posing and we're popping up in yeah, flowers. Right. And then we did a little video. It's airing right now where um, they have a cart against a green screen, and at a certain point in the video, it kind of talks about how the flowers get there. And then we're all in this cart yeah. and it's yeah. acting crazy. So that was that was kind of fun. Um, we went from there to a historical garden, and this was Allsmere. Um, so Allsmere has this huge flower auction. But they also took us to a historical garden to kind of demonstrate, first of all, um, how they started uh, reclaiming some of the land, which was fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, because what um, God created the world and the Dutch created Holland because it's so much below sea level that they made all these dikes and the engineers right. are just amazing. Over 100 years, 150 years ago, right. they started this. Yeah, o over 50% of the country is yeah. below sea level. It's just incredible. And incredible. so they realized that, you know, they need land. Right. And so they've, you know, hundreds of years have devised the system of getting water from the lowlands and pumping it out and reclaiming this mm -hmm. land and then they're using it and you know the peat they're harvesting the peat peat moss and right. using that but at the same time you're digging down as you're getting the water in that's just putting it's very, sand and yeah it's a very intricate system of that right. they've they've figured out very masterfully much. oh yes and, incredible and they were talking about you know the windmills are very cute but there were thousands and thousands mm. upon them that were pumping that wind was pumping that water out and allowing them to actually use that mm -hmm. farmland. And then other windmills were like for grain, you know, right. grinding grains and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. But I don't think people realize now, uh, in fact, we went to Kinderdijk, which is um, a UNESCO heritage site, mm -hmm. and it has all these windmills there. And, and it was fascinating because you got to see, we got to go inside and we got mm -hmm. to see some of that. Yeah. That was later on. No, that was cool. Yeah, um, Don't jump ahead. I know, I'm sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but it, the uh, interesting part was how much they could grow. Right. And um, when we were at the historic gardens, they were talking about lilacs and how they moved them. Yeah, right. that was really bizarre. Right, and, and, be, and yeah. being an area where they're you know doing all of these cut flowers and it's very integral to their, mm -hmm. to their economy, you know, they're, they're growing these large lilacs, but they realize that, you know, if we move them inside and put them under a greenhouse, we could force them along a little mm -hmm. bit, take the cuttings, but then they also realized that, okay, well, now we need the greenhouse for something else. So they move all of the lilacs out, 
and have these areas amongst the peat bogs and these canals. Mm -hmm. It's like this grid system yeah. that they move the lilacs out. But lilacs don't do well staying in a pot forever. So they plant them all, <laughs> let them grow for two years, dig them all up, put them on little, on little barges on the canals, mm -hmm. barge them over to the greenhouse, unload them all, plant them in the greenhouses, there has to be an easier way. Them, <laughs> dig them all up again, put them back on the barges and move them back out there. And, and these are big plants. Yeah, I mean, they're huge. Yeah, okay. the, the trunks are probably 10, 10 right, 12 inches. They're like 50-year-old yeah, lilacs. Yeah. I mean, it's un yeah, yeah. unbelievable. But, you know, people they think of tulips. Right. You think of Holland, you think of tulips, right. you think of spring. Right. But they lead the world in, like, cut flower production in some certain species. Sure, and it sure. was like, that was just... And we had done a little a barge trip where we went out there to see some of those yeah, places. Those cool. But that was that was fascinating. Um, then you know we walked around and we went to uh, the rose and radish, and this is uh, just a quick one. This was an organic farm, and um, interesting to go from uh, a large flower auction mm -hmm. and hear about how they do mass produce flowers. And then we went to this small farm where. He had a, a like a tropical garden in there, mm -hmm. but he was able to tell us a little bit about the organic. Right. Um, yeah, and growing. he's really, I think, doing cutting edge kind of way out there kind of um, pest control, and he's using all kinds of other things to kind of be organic as possible. Right. I mean, he, he play he plays music mm -hmm. and has done a lot of studies on certain types of music mm -hmm. deter certain pests and create overall health right. of these plants, which is pretty fascinating yeah. to listen to, but trying to wrap your head around that. But he's got speakers that are playing oh, playing yeah. music, and he's proven that, you know, if we play this type of music, the bugs go... Right. It has to be a certain beat. A right, certain right, beat. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and certain times a year. Yeah, and, sure. right. and doing it on a wide scale. I mean, you just don't see that. I mean, people do it at their houses, but to do it on a commercial level is pretty amazing that he's... He's really adamant and really passionate right. about it. Right, and, you know, and he's in one of those farmers that's had to adapt over, over mm -hmm. the years. You know, it's been a, it's a generational farm that started out as, you know, cut cut flower rose, cut flower production. Mm -hmm. You know, and as as the world grows and economies of scale and the mass spread, found himself that you know in this market that kind of is shrinking. So he's adapting his mm -hmm. his family business and practices into other things. And setting more more of this, which is pretty right. pretty fascinating. No, it was very cool. Well, and there's day one. Okay, so <laughs> really, it was it was incredible uh, first day. I mean, you know, you get there and you have a little couple hours to you know kind of acclimate and get to bed, and then you're just we're full board on right, these right, tours. Right. Um, so the next day, we stopped at the private garden of Emily Emily Hacker. Um, and we had tea and stroop waffles and um, dodging rain showers. And we saw she had a beautiful garden, which she did by herself. That's amazing. Yeah. And Ryan, you said you walked over and there's a dike behind her house. There, there is. Yeah. yeah, as, yeah. So I was, I was out exploring and so she goes, yeah, back, back behind her house is a dike. And you look up. And she, her house is not sitting above the no, dike. No, it was low. It is below. Yeah. So you walk up the hill to get to the canal. Yeah. So she's and under. Um, she's uh, below, under yeah. below sea level. You know, they all rely on on the dikes, yeah. and, it's, and it's just very interesting. And everywhere we would drive, you would look up and see the canals above mm -hmm. you, and the roads are below, right. and it's just it's kind of a kind of yeah. trippy. Just very to, much. Right. Oh, very much. But I love this garden because you know we all talk about rooms in the garden, and I think she really have that as her basis for her garden yes. because there's all different kinds. She had like a formal kind of garden with hedgerows around it, and then she had like the wild garden. She had a water garden. Yeah, like a white 
a white you know, evening, garden. Evening guard, yeah. She had statues, but it was like all different kind of styles. Yeah, so it and, it, and it was fun. It was very comfortable. I mm -hmm. mean, because we, on these tours, we see a lot of um, public gardens. We see a lot of formal gardens. Right. And to see something like this, where her husband essentially just goes around and picks up piles of stuff. He's like, oh, right. that's his thing. She goes and she makes sure what's planted, what needs to be pruned. Um, you know, very, very unique in the plant material because it changed throughout the garden. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, you know, one thing, you know, speaking of her pruning, she did this most amazing fence row all around her property using her prunings. Mm -hmm. So all of her limbs and her branches, mm -hmm. she would kind of layer and weave together and created this, you know, like four foot tall perimeter barrier around her property of all of her leaves and cuttings and branches. It's actually pretty, look kind of bird's nest. Right, yeah. right. Kind of, kind of like yeah. it, was, it was a very interesting approach. Yeah, to but like, it's great. It, I mean, it kind of did her perimeter, but then it was great for her habitat for animals or insects right. or whatever. So right. I don't, it was just very unique to see. I, you know, it, I'm glad she pointed it out to us because I thought at one part it was just like her brush pile, but then you saw this huge wall that was going all the way around. Yeah, it, went, it went around for a, for a long time. Yeah. Um, the, then the next day, travel day, <laughs> we stopped and uh, of course tasted, we went to Antwerp on our way to Ghent and we stopped and we tasted chocolates and saw, saw museums and um, I think we saw artist um, Rubens, Peter Paul Rubens' uh, house in Antwerp um, and his studios and that was fan fa fascinating because he had a garden there. And they were going back to his paintings mm -hmm. and some of the drawings of other artists from that era to see what was in that garden. And it's in the middle of a major re uh, improvement. Yeah, uh, it's going to be really nice yeah, yeah. Um, in a couple of years. It, luckily, we we're the last of before they're closing it down, but they're really doing so much research to try to get it back to that period and try to make it like his home was when he right. lived there. Yeah. So. And they were saying the reason why it stayed there is because he was pretty rich. And, mm -hmm. so, and he had a school there. So even after he passed, that went on. Mm -hmm. um, and when we got to Ghent, we stayed at a Pretty fantastic. Oh, hotel. Yeah, that, cool. the, ho the hotel <laughs> in Ghent was, was called 1898 The Post. Yeah. And it was an old post office that, that had really converted cool. into this hotel. And it was like, you know, you'd walk inside and you'd find all of these little, little tiny rooms and spiral staircase that would lead to some other little hidden, like the, you know, the honor bar, you know, with a little sitting cool, area where you could just have, yeah. sit and have a little drink and you know, on the honor system. And right. Write your room number. And, yeah. and right. But they had an entrance there. And so we didn't come in through the entrance. We came through the back to go to check in. Yeah. And by, but by the front door was almost like a half a block of gardens. Yeah. Yeah. And which was fascinating because that requires a lot of work and it's not really necessarily seen by everybody. Mm -hmm. No, so. and it, and it's right smack in in town. So right. you have, you know, the, out, out the back side is the big plazas. Right. You know, where everybody's out there at night mulling around. On the other side on the front is the big canals with the big boardwalks where mm -hmm. in the restaurants so everybody's milling around there too. So you're just yeah. have all of this excitement cool. and then right Jeff said was Right there was this, you know, beautiful little courtyard kind of setting with yeah. a, well, the a, a pretty amazing hooker wall. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Was a solid. I, did we ever figure out what it was? I, or? I, I, I took some pictures of it, and we'll post them on we'll the send uh, it to over Dan. the top. Yeah, that's <laughs> on our page yeah. as well. But um, it is. It's, they use yeah. like those fabric pockets yeah. that were there. Yeah. And, cool. and uh, but the, you know they're getting towards the end, and they were starting to. to change into their fall color. So yeah. it makes you wonder what they put in next. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, um, and then from there, we went to uh, the Botanical Gardens at Ghent. And um, this is one of the oldest gardens yeah. um, 
in Europe. And so, yep. you know, probably in the world, I think they, they're the first ones to bring tea or coffee plants or something into, mm. and they were growing them in greenhouses and that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and obviously they had wealthy patrons hundreds of years ago that thought about this. So um, what were did, you thinking about? When, uh, did, we yeah, so it, it was pretty pretty fascinating mm -hmm. to to talk with. And, you know, I, while I was there, I got to do do an interview with, mm -hmm. with Yost. And Yost is, um, he's a volunteer at, at the gardens, been doing it for, for many, many years. And we had a, did a really nice uh, talk, just kind of, you know, what is, what is botanical gardens? What are their importance? Why are they, mm -hmm. why are they there? And so it was, it was interesting to kind of get their tent, you know, when you're talking to a botanic garden that is this old, right. that's been around this long, you know, you know what is the interest? Why, why do we go? Right, why right. do we have these things? So I think we t we touched yeah. on that a little little yeah. bit. Before in, we in get the into the interview, we um, ten thousand different plant species, universities, so they're used for study. Right. They had it's funny is that we stood next to a zero escape garden, a dry garden, a right. rock garden, mm -hmm. and they were saying that that was the only reason that that's there is because they got money from the Marshall Plan after World War II, and they built this as a tribute to the United States, and it's all like you know, uh, rockscape, you know, yeah. uh, scape yeah. plants. But um, the greenhouses were they just were incredible. They were. Um, Victoria lilies. Mm -hmm. And we were, before we taped, we were like, our camera was fogging up because it yeah. was just so, <laughs> so hot, yeah. so yeah. hot so and moist yeah. in there. But it was amazing um, how much they had. The, the corpse lily, which we go crazy about, they had probably a couple dozen of them in various stages of growth, yeah. and you know that That's eventually cool. they're going to have some blooms. Yeah, stinky yeah. but they're they're massive. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're they huge. were cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the tour guide that I had, um, he was so interesting too. I mean, we had he was a professor, actually a retired professor, and he was saying too that they do a lot of saving of plants there. They have like a seed bank and also a um, they save plants just. Um, especially for their um, champion plants. Like these plants are a couple, they're several hundred years old trees. Right. And of course they get hit by lightning or they just have disease. So they take cuttings so that they still have these trees. They have like the scion of the trees that somebody gave right. them or they brought back from a, a some kind of a yeah, trip and or and My take on, on the gardens too is like sometimes you go to botanic gardens and they're you know very uniform and very mm -hmm. manicured and neat. This one was more of kind of a working, mm -hmm working botanic garden yeah. where you could actually, you know, they let the plants grow and do what mm -hmm. they need to do and see their actual form. And it's maybe, you know, some may think it's a little messy looking, but when you look beyond mm -hmm. that, it's, you know, you're actually seeing what they do. And it's, it's a research, you know, yeah, it's a uni right, university right. that's studying, studying these. So. And yeah. Judy, you pointed out the markings on some of the tags that some of them were endangered. Yeah, so then they have, that's really kind of a conservation thing too, that they're really kind of uh, making sure that they do have cuttings or they save seeds or whatever. So um, that was really interesting. There was um, a lot of those in the greenhouses from areas that are just, they won't grow anymore in the wild so that they're keeping them in greenhouses. So yeah, it's, it was really um, eye-opening that way to see what extent they're using. It's just not a pretty place. It's yeah. really, yeah. it does have a, a purpose. But, you know, as we've, as we've talked in, in past uh, podcasts, you know, about, you know, climate changes mm -hmm. and, and zone, zones changing and plants surviving in one area or not. It does kind of shine light on the importance of having these botanic mm -hmm. gardens where you get these seed banks and studying right. that we're preserving these species of, of plants before they go 
sure. they staying somewhere and, and trial them as to, okay, maybe they can migrate to another area. Sure, yeah. sure. And it was just fascinating. I'm, I'm reading here 4,000 square meters of greenhouse space yeah, alone. And this is a university in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't didn't take us long to get there. Um, <laughs> we um, spent a lot of time there. It's funny because when you do something like this, um, you block out time. Mm -hmm. And there are certain gardens you go to and you're saying, yeah. okay, I really wish we would have had more time at right. that garden or this garden. Right. Um, but you have to go on to the next thing right, on the right. itinerary yeah. because you promised people on the tour that we're gonna go see the woman with the pearl earring or something, right. you know, right, right. wonderful piece of art. Yeah. So um, that was the, the frustrating part because I could have spent more time in those greenhouses. Yeah. That was yeah. just fascinating. So, so we have to go back. Yes, yeah, so exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, as uh, Ryan mentioned, uh, we did talk with Yost, and he's um, a volunteer there, a docent who leads people around, had some very fascinating uh, insights yeah. into the gardens and what a botanical garden means. And so let's take a listen to that interview. I'm out here at the University of Ghent. We're at the Botanic Garden, and I'm with Joost. Hello. And Joost, what do you do here at the Botanic Garden? Well, uh, my main uh, thing I do is uh, guiding. I, I guide people through the garden uh, on a voluntary basis. And yeah. you know, it's a, it's a beautiful botanic garden. You know, we're, mm. we're standing inside of the greenhouse. Yes. And this is just one of many areas of mm -hmm. the botanic garden. That's so it. inside of this greenhouse, what are some of the different areas that we, we've looked at today? Um, we've looked uh, outside, of course. We, we have started our tour outside. And uh, the emphasis uh, of a botanical garden is that it is um, a garden that is um, based on scientific insights, you know. Uh, plants are related to each other, mm -hmm. and we try to reflect that relationship. So we all know that uh, plants we can categorize in families and so on. Mm -hmm. So we, we try to, to make a clear insight in which families and, and so on. Yes, because there's, there's a lot of importance that comes from botanic gardens as far as, you know, you know, you talked about, you know, the science that becomes behind it. But we also talked a little bit earlier about, you know, other reasons that botanic gardens are important. Yes, of course. Um, botanic gardens are also a haven for plants that are endangered in, in may I say, the real world, yeah. huh? in, in our environment. And that is due to the human, the human race right. that, that has made it sometimes very difficult for plants to live in. So we try to protect these plants and eventually to reintroduce them in their natural habitat. Because you know, there's lots of different plants that have grown here at the Botanic Gardens. Yes. About how many different plants? We are talking about 10,000 uh, different species of plants. Wow. But, uh, well, but that's only a small part of it, eh? because yeah. as I told, um, there are about 300,000 uh, plants uh, that are blooming there. Yeah, but the, the importance is, you know, is you're studying all of these plants. And yeah. you know, a lot of these plants aren't just naturally grow here. Do they? Because mm -hmm. we're inside of this greenhouse, mm -hmm. and so you take some of these plants. They're from all over the parts of the world. Yes, that's true. Yes, uh, and so when you're when you're studying these and looking at the plants, what kind of things are you looking for? 
That's a good question. <laughs> because most of the times we are looking for something, but uh, the mere thing that, 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 uh, that they are so amazing, plants, uh, because to approach the plant academically, uh, but we try, we try to understand the plant, we try to understand, but we try to understand the plant with our intellect, with, we try to, we, you know, for what is it good, uh, what, but maybe there is another, I don't know, I can't explain very, very clearly, but uh, I, I, I just can tell that they are living things, right. like us. And, yeah. we, and we, we study the interactions between the plants yeah. and how they how they live together, yes, yes, and how they, how they mature, and how they, how they flower, mm -hmm. or how they go, how they go yeah. to seed, and, wh and what yeah. is involved involved in that. Well, yes, but you have to, and as a gardener, you must you must know that that plants needs needs attention, needs uh, you have you have to take care for them, right? You know, and you know, we talked we talked earlier about you know. Plant, you know, science has changed yes. over, over the years, and you know, mm -hmm. we've talked about you know just you know some of just the basic what a plant was, yeah. and now we're learning we're learning more, more, yes. and you know, and plants are you know maybe the name might mm -hmm. has changed. So how how is some of the changes you've seen in, in science? Uh, yeah, well, I think this this is uh, the the main thing I've seen in in scientifically. They are, they are trying to see, to study the, the intellect of plants, that, that plants are intelligent, you right. know? You know, because a lot of times <laughs> we used to just look at a plant and think it's, oh, it's pretty. Yes. It has, oh, yes. Has, a, has a nice flower. Yeah. But, you know, the more we Most study plants, plants we, the more we, we discovered that there are more uh, things engaged in. Right. And, you know, and I think that's what's important about, you know, botanic gardens like these and universities that are doing the studies is, you know, we're always, always yeah, learning more. But on the other hand, not, not all scientists are in it, you know? Right. I mean, in it, uh, sometimes when, when you, you say a plant is intelligent, they laugh at you, right. you know, when, because they are so, uh, yeah, so... I don't know if I may use the word uh, condition to to see only intellectually to the to the plant to right. to give it a name and to categorize it and to you know right and right. you know we're, we're doing lots of study we, we yeah. study these and it's always always evolving mm. how long has this these gardens been been here at the university uh, that's about 200 years because uh, at the university sorry um, it's um, the University of uh, Flanders. Uh, when was it? In 1805? No, 1830? Yeah. About 200 About 200, 200 years that this, uh, these gar gardens have been here. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously okay. you have not been here that long. Well, <laughs> if you look at my beard. <laughs> And you said you, you are a volunteer, so you, yeah, you, come, you come in and give, give tours like you are, yes. are to us and help educate yeah. you know, the people about what a botanic garden yeah. is and its importance. But what, what, what for me is very important is the, the interaction between the people that are here. You know, yeah. They love the same, well, they are into plants, 
So right. you you have uh, some kind of uh, item where you can right. talk about. No, because there's been you know a lot of changes with plants in botany. So what do you think is what is the next change? Where, where, where <laughs> do you see plant, plants I'm going? Not, uh, a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is the next change? Well, maybe the intelligence of plants right. that that we go deeper into that. Yeah, yeah right. because recently there, there have been amazing discoveries about, uh, for instance, the mushrooms in, in, in the forest, that they make, a, make a, a kind of internet under the ground that they, uh, and many people have heard about that right. also. So I, I think that our investigation should go to this, in this direction. Right, and so not only study above, but yeah. yeah, not above, yeah, of course. Right. Mm. You know, and there's you know, a lot of talk lately of you know, the climate and how our climate mm -hmm. is changing and mm -hmm. the, you know, the seas are rising mm -hmm. and the earth is getting warmer. Have you seen changes throughout the gardens over the last of course. You know, of 200 course. years? What, what yeah. kind of changes have you, you seen? Well, here just uh, these others, other uh, plants take over. Other plants take over. And the, the plants that are the most uh, specialized they go, they, they will disappear because they have not, uh, you know? Right, they, they have to adapt yes, and change. Yes, they have, to, and they can, Right. plants can. And so is there is there concern amongst, you know, that, you know, plants that are maybe disappearing, I think you, here you, you collect seed and have a, like a seed bank that you're, you're storing, um, and you know, I'm, that's, I'm assuming, important for, you know, in research that you're collecting these species before they disappear? Mm hmm of course. And you do do a lot of study with that also? Yeah. Well, not me personally, but at the university they do, right. they do that. So, yeah. you, so you know, the, the gardens are very amazing, you know, and it's been, Thank you. been a pleasure to walk through Thank and you. walk with you to see the, see the different areas of the gardens yeah. and see the greenhouses. So, Joost, it's been a ple pleasure with spending time with you and learning more about the, the great gardens out here at the University of Ghent. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was a fascinating interview yeah, and it was, um, it, he was very hesitant I think because of his uh, concern with the language right but he did a great job yeah, and we learned a lot it was amazing because when you get something like that where you're on a tour and you have two docents mm -hmm. that are split the group in half so that you know they can it's a smaller group they can right. handle right. questions when you come back and compare notes like we just did mm -hmm. You learn something different from each one. Oh, yes, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They get different takes on it or their expertise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we need to kind of get up to speed on what we did next. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the last few days of our tour. Stay right there. Capital Subaru, we value your time. Whether you're here for service or working with our amazing sales team, everything is right here for your convenience. We offer a great selection of Subarus, an industry-leading service center that keeps you moving, and so much more. Like our Living Green Wall, just one of the many features throughout our dealership. Looking for the perfect pet gift? Check out Happy Paws Pet Shop right here in our lobby. Or plan your next adventure in our fireside seating and find your happy place. It's always your time at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. And welcome back to uh, the Garden Time Podcast. Today we're talking about our tour we just completed to uh, Holland and Belgium. And um, right now, 
we are in Belgium and we are on our way. Uh, we're Ghent. We're staying in Ghent. We're on our way to Bruges, which was a day just to kind of en enjoy that beautiful yeah. city. But on the way, we stopped and we saw Chris. And uh, he has a private garden, but he's also a garden designer. Mm -hmm. One of the most impressive gardens yeah, cool. I think I've ever seen. It and so um, what impressed you about Chris's garden? You know, for, for me, it was, you know, the use, it was a lot of plants that I haven't seen in years. Yeah. And it was, um, and it was very well laid out as mm -hmm. far as heights and color. You know, here it is, you know, it's, you know, in the September right, when yeah. we're there. And the amount of color and blooms mm -hmm. and textures that were in his garden were unbelievable. It was so good. And, you know, he's a professional landscape designer, garden designer, and I, to use this as a showpiece to bring his customers, his clients, I think you can really see it. Because, yeah. you know, you can only draw so much or whatever, but to see it live, and right. I, I can bring this to your house or I can bring this little part to your house. But we just loved it. And it's like me and Ryan, we were just like writing down names on names. <laughs> it's it's funny because everybody, everybody I, lo I loved it so much I bought his book. <laughs> I can't read it because it's in Dutch, but that's like, the pictures are really nice. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. And, but it was amazing because um, people were hanging around you guys because you guys know plants so yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, Laura was and with Laura us too, from, from Portland Nursery, was yeah. part of the tour. She um, actually paid to be there. But she was like this extra plant person. She was, great. was oh my gosh. And yeah. you guys would get in these huge discussions about <laughs> what the plants were, what the varieties were. It was fun. But um, there was, I mean, it was around every corner, yeah. there was something new. Yeah. Uh, they had the pond right in the very mm -hmm. front off the driveway. Um, around the corner of the house, we're seeing uh, some of his uh, other formal gardens. The sun garden with all the perennials and grasses mm -hmm. and stuff. That was beautiful. It was fantastic. Yeah. And everywhere there was another little thing to right, see. Right, right. Um, His whiskey house. His whiskey house. <laughs> right. I was going to get to that. That was very impressive, people. And it, it was just a little shed in the back of his property. And when he's gardening, he can go back there and he has yeah. a, you know, a you selection of a scotches right. and, whis and whiskey. So that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. But... Um, uh, the the woman that looked like she had just crawled out of the pond, and it was a pile of of soil oh, right. that oh, yeah, yeah, looked yeah. like a, a woman face down. It was strange. That was kind of creepy, but yeah. <laughs> kind of unique. Yeah, right. It was if, art. You, yeah. if you there didn't you see it, you right. missed it. Right, so, right. Um, it, and then greenhouse space, and he was an expert in I can't remember the name of the plants now. Um, Persicaria. Persicaria. Oh, they're, oh, they're everywhere. Right. Oh, my gosh. And, and, I have and, never seen that many in one I know. <laughs> I was just, I was blown away. And I'm yeah. like going, why don't we have that many? And obviously, yeah. that's an overload to try to stock stores. Right. Can you imagine bringing oh, you know, I know. 50 so different Persicaria yeah. into, your, into uh, but, the garden yeah, center? To see them, though, that was really cool. And, and what stood out to me, too, was like, you know, the fencing. So there is no fence. They use hedgerows. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And so they use, I think it's a hornbeam or beech, mm -hmm. I think is what they're, what they're using, planted very densely. And it's extremely manicured. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How many and times it, a year does he do it? It was, I don't know how it many. Has to be, it has to be multiple. He does it all himself. Because it was all just beautiful. And it's yeah. not just a wall of it. There's, you know, you have archways mm -hmm. and pillars and three-dimensional you it know, was layers. Yeah, layers, it was. Right? Yeah. You, know, you have up and then a break with a stem and then a second layer right. and then multi-depth. It was just it pretty, was incredible. Pretty yeah. 
Yeah. And I think to drive home the point about fall gardens, I mean, there was just so much color and texture. I think that we, we all kind of lack that. I don't know if we're just tired or we just don't plan that long for yeah. it, but right. the color and, the, and just the interest that was in his garden and, was And he would really have nice. some areas that would just, you know, a lot, a lot of one thing, mm -hmm. like you would have some ornamental grasses, you know, right in fall is such a great time for the grasses mm -hmm. to see all their plumes and, and their textures. But you do some mass plantings and, and layered mm -hmm. looks, which was very effective to have to give you that kind of what it actually looks like. Right. Um, versus, you know, sometimes we get, you know, at least in my yard, I have so much one of a lot of things where you kind of lose that perspective mm -hmm. of having the big mass plantings. But it was, yeah. it was stunning. Yeah, we need acres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, maybe that's the problem. It was excellent because uh, people were not in a hurry to get through Chris's garden. Yeah. I mean, no. it was, no. and, and people were going back. He had, Backward, had his garage yeah, door yeah. open, and people were like cutting back through the garage right. to yeah. get back to areas that we had already seen. Right. So I, I found that one to be fascinating. And, um, and then, of course, we went to Bruges and had a wonderful time in Bruges. Um, beautiful uh, medieval city, um, and it's amazing uh, when you talk about cities that are that old, the selection of plant material. There were certain things that we noticed uh, when we were in Harlem, mm -hmm. which is the suburb that we stayed in when we first got there. Uh, you and Therese and I went walking, and plants growing out of cracks <laughs> in, you know, the, the, they have a small little square, maybe a foot square, and wisteria that's growing yeah, five stories. Right, right. Yeah, attached to buildings. And, and we're, I was just fascinated because we talk about, oh, well, we have no place to put a plant. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, we're <laughs> right. running out of place. No, you're no. not. No, you're not. Go to Europe and you yeah. see in some of these gardens how much they can cram into such a small space. Right, and, is, and I noticed those that walk around, it's every every city we went to. Mm -hmm. You know, granted, we have the eye for plants and we're always, always looking at that. You know, and with... You know these cities that are you know thousands of years old, right? I mean, some of these places are yeah. dating back to the 16th century, right, right? Right, and it's you know they don't have there's not big gardens, hmm. but it's it's containers, it's pots, it's windowsill gardens, and everybody does it. Mm -hmm. You're, yeah, you look yeah, around and every every window on a in a in the side of a building, everybody's got plants sitting in the mm -hmm. window. There's a collection of pots and containers. Every ne doorstep. Next, every doorstep, every doorstep yeah. and every little alleyway, yeah. everywhere you go, there, there's plants. Yeah. Right. It, right. It was really sweet to see because it's a big, I mean, they're not big, big cities, but they're nice-sized cities. Mm -hmm. And right. there's not a lot of green spaces that we saw or right. that we found, but there is little pockets of it everywhere. Right. So that and was it, really nice to see. And it's nice interesting where, where you find the plants to purchase. You know, walk, yeah. walk, walking around, right. around town, you know, we would, I would run across like these little tiny shops that look like, you know, have a little display with out their front. little rolling carts yeah. of plants out front. And you walk in and it might be a kitchen shop. Right, right. Filled with amazing kitchen gadgets and towels and linens mm -hmm. and house plants and indoor plants, outdoor okay. plants. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of where you go to get what you, what you need. You don't need a lot, but you can pick up whatever little seasonal plants yeah. that are there. You can pick up cut flowers and potted plants. So it's just kind of a really cool, kind of a fun fun market vibe. Yeah, it is. That's true. And we the, when we were in Harlem and we went to the historic gardens, we we're walking back to the bus. So we had a couple blocks and there was a flower shop. And Ryan and I, <laughs> we were kind of bringing up the back anyway to make sure that everybody was, you know, got on the bus. And so we kind of split off and ran over just to look <laughs> at um, the selection of flowers. And those flower shops were not an anomaly. They were on 
every couple every couple blocks just about. And it made me think about how we have um, you you go here to a Safeway or to a yeah. Costco mm -hmm. and you buy cut flowers and you get them occasionally. Mm -hmm. And just the uh, proliferation of flower shops makes you think they use flowers a lot. They do. People yeah, bring most, them into yeah. their homes mm -hmm. um, on a weekly I mean, basis. You, you see yeah. people walking around town all the time carrying a bouquet of flowers, mm -hmm. or they're on their bike and they have a bouquet in the basket. It yeah. was true. On, yeah, on their way home, true. it's kind of you know on their way home they'll stop by the little market. They'll pick mm -hmm. up the food that they need for for their meals for that evening, and they'll pick up you know a flower or a potted plant, and that's just part of their routine. Is mm -hmm always having something fresh, be it food or flour. Yeah, yeah, I saw so many people, they had either a cyclamen or a heather in their hand as they're going yes. home from work yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so great to see. Because, and I think that we always key in on that, but it's like, it looked the norm. Well, right. and people get basil uh, plants <laughs> or basil, right. or they pronounce it over there. And, and they get the live plant. And then you bring it home, you use it, and you toss it away. Yeah. You, right. you compost it and recycle it or whatever. And you use fresh um, you don't necessarily always go and get some dried, you right. use fresh whenever right. possible. And they sell the herbs in the little street markets and everything mm -hmm. else. So, um, yeah, the next day we, lifestyle. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next day we ended up going to Kinderdijk, which was the, um, uh, UNESCO. the, the UNESCO's mm -hmm. heritage site. That was kind of cool to yeah, see that. Yeah. Um, and saw how they, you know, used uh, those windmills to create arable land. But then we stopped by, and we're in uh, Leiden, and we stopped by Hortus Botanicus, another one of the oldest horticultural gardens, uh, botanical gardens in Europe. And we were there, and it seemed very small, but it wasn't. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they packed a lot in. There was a lot. Much. Yeah, and um, so we once again had to split up, and, and we did uh, two different groups. Um, what were your thoughts of um, well, it was so interesting because it really started as a medicinal garden because Leiden was the medical school, and so back then they used mostly herbal plants, plants right. for herbs for different kind of medical treatments. So that's how it started. But then they kept going, and I asked our docent, our um, guide. I said, "Well." Um, do they have like a horticulture study here? And he goes, no, not really. We're still a medical school. And so that was kind of interesting. But this garden was just incredible. And it's like everywhere you go, you'd go around the next corner and it opened up and, okay, here's a big Japanese garden. Mm -hmm. Walk around. And then you go a little bit farther and here's a huge, beautiful fern garden. Yeah, In the shade. Garden. And it's yeah. just in the rose garden. And it was like the more you kind of kept exploring, mm -hmm. it would just keep opening up to all of these different amazing gardens. Yeah, it was really it was, was fascinating. Uh, it was very interesting too because and there were parts that you can obviously see they were there for education mm -hmm. uh, yes. purposes. So they had, you know, like the life cycle of a seed and, and that kind of yeah. stuff and, and displays so that people with kids could come in. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the Japanese garden and, and the, the, that area. A lot of that medicinal plants and our, right. our mm -hmm. docent, our guide was telling us what the various thing, you know, purposes were of plants. Um, and we found it fascinating. His name was uh, Robert, and um, weird accent, uh, kind of British, oh. but he was he was a local boy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. But um, you had a chance to talk with him a little bit about that. So let's take a break now, and okay. we can catch a little bit of that interview that Judy did with Robert. All right. I'm in Leiden in the Netherlands, and I'm with Robert Fulmer. And Robert, we are just in this amazing historic garden that is from so long ago, but what is the proper Dutch name of this place? Uh, well, the proper Dutch name is the proper Latin name, <laughs> I would say. Uh, Hortus Botanicus Leiden, the plant garden of Leiden. 
Uh, and so it's a botanical garden in the middle of the city, right by the University Leiden. And so, but it is so old. It's from when? Way back when. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, from uh, 1594 is when we opened our doors to the public and it was uh, founded in 1590 so uh, not so long after the founding of the university and not very long after uh, Leiden was uh, liberated from the Spanish. Wow and so really it was not started as an ornamental kind of stroll through garden why was it begun? Uh, it was a uh, university garden from the very start so the university wanted a garden with uh, medicinal plants for their students uh, to research, uh, and that's why it was founded, that's why they uh, gathered up the money. Uh, although from the very start, uh, the first director was a man named Carolus Clusius, who was uh, also himself, he wasn't so much interested in medicinal plants, he more liked rare and ornamental plants, so it was also to some extent an ornamental garden from the start. Well, I think that's, you know, our gardeners, you know, are, we, uh, we love to have rare things and we collect things and it, that's kind of how we all go as gardeners. You know, you want something that's really unique to kind of have uh, to show off. Precisely. I think that's uh, of all ages. <laughs> Definitely. But now it's really kind of morphed into more than just a medicinal garden or to study for medicinal plants. Uh, yes. I think over the course of the uh, centuries, that's how long we've been around, it's it's changed. Uh, we can see parts of our history in the 18th and the 19th century that there were definitely parts of the garden that were there for, uh, for strolling, for uh, looking very good, which they did. Uh, and uh, even these days we have a recreational function. Uh, it's also a lovely place to walk around. Uh, but we've also built all of these different parts of the garden to show off different plants, different uses. We have our Chinese herb garden. Uh, we now have a, a pond that shows off um, native species of plants and native species of animals because ecology has become this very important subject that we're trying to do more with. We have our rose garden which shows uh, not just lovely roses but old breeds of roses that you don't see very often anymore. And we have of course our glass house over there. Our glass house uh, has this giant collection of uh, plants from tropical regions. We have a tremendous collection of uh, Southeast Asian orchids for instance. Uh, and also carnivorous plants, so pitcher plants from Southeast Asia, many of which are incredibly rare and have to be researched and have to be multiplied and spread, uh, spread to gardens all over the world to make sure that there is a, uh, a backup supply. Wow. Like should they go extinct in the wild, we can, we can reintroduce them. Uh, and we're doing research still. After 400 years, we're still doing research on plants. Uh, it doesn't all happen in a lab, it all, you, you have to start at a garden and sometimes you never leave. So we do ecological research into pollination um, and now we're also working on historical research. We've, we've got more than 400 years of history and some of it's gone quite well, mysterious to us. It's gone a bit hairy so it all has to be looked up and uh, reclassified and lots to do. But that makes it interesting and it really, you know, it gives people so much more to study and to discover. Precisely. Yeah, we always need more information. And what I thought was really interesting too is that you have some, so many historical trees. I mean, we saw a tree from the 16, late 1600s and then you, you take cuttings from it to save just in case you have to propagate it again. So, yes. I mean, it's really saving our world of um, plants too. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that's different uh, from other museums because we are a living museum. All of these plants, they're alive and we have to keep them alive. You can't put them in a box and expect them to keep going. No, if you treat them wrong, they will die and they will be gone forever. 
and some of these plants are irreplaceable. Got lots of bamboo over here. Well, if some of that dies, that's okay. But right. that Japanese elm tree behind us wow. is from 1830, and it was born and bred in Japan, and it was brought over here on a wooden sail ship. It took nine months. It survived, and it's been growing here ever since. Um, and if it were to die, that'd be that. We can right. we can plant a new Japanese elm tree, but it would be a new Japanese elm tree. So uh, these pieces are irreplaceable, and they are living creatures. So you have to give them exactly what they want, and that's what we've been doing for these four hundred years. Um, and it's um, well, it's no small thing. No, but to go back to what your specialty is, kind of you study things that are no longer around. Speaking so of uh, plants dying. Right, yes. right, so talk about what your, your specialty is. Uh, well, I come from uh, paleobotany, uh, meaning uh, paleo, very, very old, uh, older than archaeo, um, so fossilized plants. Uh, that's what I study. And I've always been interested in ecologic uh, interactions, and that's something you don't see very often in fossils, which... Uh, tells you something about the world that these plants lived in. If you find a uh, fossilized bee and you find a fossilized flower, that's all you've got. You don't know if one interacted with the other. So when you do find something like that, when you do find some evidence of something happening, one organism doing something to another organism, that's tremendously valuable. Because to, to us in this garden, it's very commonplace to see all of these insects interacting and plants interacting with one another. Some plants preferring the shade, some preferring the sun, some preferring to stand by the water, some liking it dry. Uh, with fossils, that's all incredibly difficult to discover. And so um, it's all fun and good to study T-Rexes, but <laughs> plants, that's where it's at. That's where you can find <laughs> these interactions. That's where you can find these patterns. That's where you can actually learn something about how the world looked. And um, I switched to living plants a couple of years ago, mostly anyway. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot easier, but it does impress upon you, as someone who spends a lot of time looking at stones, that there is a tremendous complexity that um, is very, very difficult to find in, well, in those stones. Sure. Well, it kind of links the past and the present, and so it's it like. Does. It, it kind of makes all sense in the roundabout way. So we've had such a lovely time here at the garden. So thank you so much for all of your information, all of your knowledge. Of course, you're very welcome. That was a very good interview, and um, he was very, very interesting he guy. Was, he was. And he was has a plant kind of background because he's a forensic forensic botanist. botanist. Wow. So he always he said, well, what did the dinosaurs eat? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, he goes, there's all that kind of study. But he said he really likes living plants. Yeah, yeah. But, he, <laughs> you know, you learn about stuff from pollen yeah. and that kind right. of stuff. And yeah. So you can, you can find that. Um, so from then, we ended up heading back. And we started in Harlem, which was a suburb. We go down to Belgium. Now we're coming back and we're in Amsterdam. And um, not so much uh, a lot of garden stuff in that first day back, but the, the next day we went to the Rijksmuseum, which has its own beautiful little garden out there. Mm -hmm. But one of the best museums oh, in Europe. Um, oh, Rembrandt. It's, it's yeah. huge. And yeah, it, it's, it is big. You know, it's un unbelievable how, just how much art is, oh. is in there. Mm -hmm. um, and how and much it, you've seen your whole life, and now you can right, see right. them. It was great. And it's just like room after room. Yeah. And it, it's not just paintings. No, right. Yeah. I mean, it's like miniature like battleships mm -hmm. and, and you know guns down in the basement right. and statues. Yeah. And it's just, you could spend Furniture, a lot, lot of time. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was amazing. Yeah, we needed another day there. I know, I know. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we're, uh, I learned a lot about the use of plants 
um, in paintings. Wow, and, cool. you know, because you look at a, a, a painting of mm -hmm. an of a arrangement of flowers, right. and you notice quickly that not all the flowers are blooming in the garden mm -hmm. at the same time, but in the paintings they are, and they would do sketches and then incorporate all those paintings. Little things like bugs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mice that uh, you know show our insignificance. Right. The thing was is that, as Bo, our, our tour guide, was telling us, you learned about the, uh, the fragile um, time of, of a flower, mm -hmm. and the idea was is to enjoy life Enjoy, you know, stop and smell the roses right. essentially. Yeah. Enjoy life while you can because we're all here just a short mm -hmm. period of time. Right. So, yeah, and I've, I've been to a lot of museums, mm -hmm. but it's it's nice to have a tour guide. It is. Yeah. Well, you learn, so you, much learn more. You, know, you can look at a painting mm -hmm. and it, there's so much more to it than mm -hmm. you would ever pick out on your on your own mm -hmm. that it was nice to hear Very some much. of these that yeah. they talked about. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the reflection in the still life, there was a picture, and the reflection in the silver of the picture was the window behind looking out to the landscape. And it's like, it's a small little yeah. detail, but I yeah. never would have seen it. Yeah. And it makes me look at uh, landscape art a mm -hmm. little different right yeah. now. So, um, but the landscape. Speaking of landscape, yes. <laughs> at, at, at the Rijks Museum, it you know, it's known known for its you know its mm -hmm. its art, but they have a wonderful garden out, outside that's surrounding the building, and mm -hmm. it's just you know you go out there and it's just groups of people around there. It was, it was very impressive gardens. Yeah, and it's right in the center. I mean, right it's like any museum. Yeah. It's in the center of the of the town and. Um, it was it was lovely, but it another was, place. If you go, you need more hours. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's free too, so you could uh, wander oh, that. Right, yeah, sure. yeah right, the garden's free. And uh, Teresa and I, we'd gone to the Van Gogh Museum, and it's oh. all part of one big um, museum complex. Mm -hmm. um, they have a modern art museum there, but they also have a park. We watched school kids, and that oh, was the other fun. thing too, is that the amount of uh, public using these parks. School kids. Um, right. That was their PE area. Oh. So they came with this rolling garbage can full of stuff, and they were playing on the grass right next to uh, the Reichs Museum. Oh, cool. um, so it was kind of cool. Um, we went uh, from there. Um, we saw a cheese farm, which a lot of people are going, okay, yeah, farm, wonderful. But this was fascinating oh, for yeah. a couple reasons. So. Uh, um, the cheese making. Yeah, cheese, that yeah. was so fascinating because it's like, you know, Holland is known for cheese making and it's yeah, like, right. and we got to taste Gouda. a lot of it. It's the Gouda, one in the yeah, red yeah. container, red wax, and it was like, and there's so many different flavors, you know, and different kind of animals depending on the farm, if it's goat or sheep right. or cow's milk, and, but. And this this was a fun fun farm. It was not real big, but it's, you know, another one that's been in the family for mm -hmm. forever. And you can see you can see the passion mm -hmm. of you know of these people that are making this. You know, it's a small farm. The cows are right there. They're going over to the barn right there. The setup for everything, and it's just all hands on. It's not this big industrial stainless mm -hmm. steel pots. They're they're there making their cheese like yeah. they did 200 years ago. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's yeah. it's amazing. And then right around the corner, wooden shoes. Yeah. yeah. So his little side, little yeah. side hustle, which is like, okay, it's in the same building. Yes. Um, go go through a little door, and he hand makes all of the wooden clogs, mm -hmm. and ships them all over the world. And he starts out, you know, with a little block of wood, a little piece of poplar, and he shows you how he splits the wood, and then runs it through his little lathe. That's you know, his machinery is over a hundred years old yep. because they work better than anything new that he can of get. Course, yeah. And then he hollows it out, and then they hang them up there to dry and then they take them upstairs where they're hand painted 
and tells you the whole history about how the different markings in the painting, what they all what they all mean. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And then we went from there um, to a garden and a bistro and had lunch in a beautiful little garden. But we didn't spend much time because it was raining. So, oh. but we completed the day and completed our tour at the Floriad. And this was what we were telling people, this is a once every 10 years uh, a gardening event. And Amsterdam, I understand they don't make money on it. They tend to lose money, but because they love plants so much, they really want to host this every 10 years. And there's different themes. And this year, the theme was sustainability. Um, and you know, so the gardens around the uh, Floriad all address that pretty much. Yeah, and you know, and what's cool too is this will stay. I mean, the buildings are going to stay, the gardens are going to stay, and it'll be like a public space. Right. Um, and so that's really a gift to that city that it is in. And every ten years, they get a new a new park. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's it's the World Fair mm -hmm. of, of horticulture. Yeah. And so you know, countries from around, you know around the world mm -hmm. come and set up their areas and showcase you know their plants and their living and what you know sustainability. Mm -hmm. that, that was the theme this year was what that means to them and what it's like from that country. So it's, it's very interesting to, it's very well laid out. Um, it, we were there for a long time yeah. and you could have stayed a lot longer. Yeah. 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 And really, I love that one statue of the, the man with the child and it was all bees. It was yeah. all like little, or butterflies, yeah, you know, bees, and it was, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was just, you didn't see it until you got really close to it and then you could, you know, really appreciate that, that they're the homage to bees and how much they right. they really mean to us. And, and then to take the overhead tram and kind of see, you know. Yeah, and, I just you know, the landscaping is phenomenal. Cool. And yeah. the, 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 yeah. use of, the use of color and the use mm -hmm. of flowers. And, you know, it's, you know, one thing that stood out to me and throughout the entire trip was the importance of bees and pollinators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everywhere we went, that's true. There was every, every garden mm -hmm. we would see on the side of a building in the middle of the city, and in concrete everywhere in these bee houses. Mm -hmm. The plantings are bees. You know, the plantings along the canals where nobody walks, it's left to bee pollinators. Mm -hmm. And throughout, you know, Floriad was the same, same way. All of the landscapings were focused on bees and pollinators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was um, when we got there, You there was an island called Utopia Island. And that was more about growing naturally. And uh, for a lot of people, that wouldn't seem like it was a, a, a very clean garden area. But it taught about how to raise fruits and vegetables, um, how to incorporate you know, into the natural landscape. Right. Um, when you got into the rest of it, there was uh, it was more of the sculptured gardens and some really kind of unique um, places. They had the one place that was layered fabric in the shape of an eyeball. Oh, with all and, the dyes. Yeah, yeah, and then they had the, cool. when you stepped inside, there were uh, bottles filled with different colored dyes and some weird art pieces. <laughs> yeah. And the light coming through was mm -hmm. casting this rainbow effect. There were all kinds of um, other gardens. They had a huge greenhouse space Oh, good. that was filled with different um, uh, growers and producers had different booths. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. We were there during um, potato week <laughs> and there were 12, they had potato growers, had 12 different kinds of potatoes unlabeled and you were going through and tasting potatoes to see right. if, um, and yeah. then you voted and they were trying to determine which potato to, to grow and right. produce more of. So, and like I uh, said, you know, different growers and breeders would yeah. showcase, yeah. you know, all of their new breeding techniques. Okay, here's all the bromeliads or 
whatever, and you would just have this sea and this beautiful display mm -hmm. of all the different colors or the, yeah. the calanchoes or whatever it was right. that was just you know, orchids everywhere. Yeah, and it, it's just a showcase too. I mean, for the horticulture industry to shine. Right. There's not a lot of places like that that are to the public. I mean, we go to conventions right. all the time that are for industry, but to, to have it for the public is really something special. Yeah, yeah, and it was a wonderful end to our tour. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, for those of you that are watching, it's now done. Yeah. It's done for the season. So um, they are wrapping up as we are recording this, this last couple of days. So um, it'll be done. And then you'll have to wait another 10 years. 2032? Yeah, 2032. Yeah, right. And who knows what the, the theme will be then. But yeah. um, as Judy mentioned, this is all going to uh, stay on um, and become... Uh, uh, its own little community and yeah. urban space. So, so um, really a great tour. Um, and we we're just talking about we have those same sites here. We do. We do. I mean, it's lovely to go to different countries, different states, right. and going to see things. But really, in your area in the Northwest, we're very blessed. All the public gardens we have. Right. And, and with garden time, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to go out and experience the Japanese gardens and the Chinese yes. gardens and the Oregon garden and all these various different, you know, public places that are o open, you know, and people travel here to go to yes. come visit these things, just like we go travel and see mm -hmm. see the world. But I think, you know, just you know, the important thing is is go out and experience these Definitely. things. I mean, it's it's easy to get stuck at at home in your own little rut. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to go travel halfway around the world to go see things, which is phenomenal lovely. and yes, lovely. Of but, course, yeah. but there is so much more that it, right here in your own backyard, yeah. wherever you may be that you can go experience and just get outside and, and see a garden and see what else somebody else yeah, is doing and get think, inspiration. I think that's the big takeaway from any kind of travel or tourism or being gardeners or, you know, it, it just check out your neighborhood or check out your right. local area. Because yeah. you were talking about, you know, uh, Hoyt Arboretum um, now has the tree walk. Um, right. uh, um, the, um, I'm kidding, the, elk. The, the, the gardens at Lusher Farms, the yes. Rogerson. Right. Yes, Rogerson Clematis Garden. Yes, I mean, these all are all beautiful gardens. Yes. Um, and we have, you're talking about the uh, PPA, which is the Perennial Plant Association, mm -hmm. um, Far West Show. These are groups, nationwide, sometimes worldwide groups, that come here for conventions mm -hmm. and right. tour these same gardens, like we did in Amsterdam right. and Holland sure. and Belgium. They do it, they're paying money to come here to, to see our gardens. So uh, I think it's just... It would be great if people were. To and do and even if you're not here in the, you know, we talk, since we're here in the Northwest, right. you know, I've I've been traveling a lot this year and right. go down to Arkansas and down the South. Wherever I go, if I have free time, I go find a garden. Oh, fun. I go find sure. find a park, and it's amazing when you start looking mm -hmm. what you will find in your own backyard. It's so true. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for us. Um, people have been asking about another garden time tour. We do not make any commitments. Um, we had a great time, but we really want to just kind of enjoy this uh, right now as it stands. So um, who knows? Just uh, go to gardentime.tv. Um, not only will we have kind of the rundown of what we talked about today, I'll have links to all those gardens that we visited and including some of the museums as well. Um, and like I said, you can always go to our Facebook page. Um, uh, the Garden Time Facebook page. Scroll down, uh, starting from the beginning of September through the middle of September, every day we posted pictures mm -hmm. of the tour. So um, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, we hope to see you guys visiting a garden here locally or maybe 
somewhere around the world <laughs> in the future. Let us um, know. Yeah. But thanks again to Capital Subaru and Salem for uh, sponsoring us. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else in Oregon. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway.